Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, the podcast where we do care about the Green Bay Packers and we don't care about anything else. Let's go. Alright, hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. Today is Wednesday, September 7th, and that means that Green Bay Packers football is only four days away, and I cannot contain my excitement. So today we're doing our first preview of the 2022 season, and let's jump right into the storyline. Okay, there are two storylines for, well... Let's go with three storylines for this game. The first is that it's week one, and that is extremely, extremely, extremely exciting. But here's my disclaimer and what I would like you to know. If the Packers win this game, it is normal to feel on top of the world. It is normal to feel as if they've just won the Super Bowl, and it is normal to feel like you don't want to see them play any more games because they've peaked. If they lose... It is also normal to feel as if you've just been kicked in a certain part of your body that does not feel too great, and you probably feel like you never want to watch NFL football again. But either way, you should know you will certainly be watching the Packers next week because unfortunately that's how addicted you are. So with that, we move into storyline number two, and that is the return of Zadarius Smith, and I don't want to talk too much about it, but... There was certainly some bad blood between the Packers and Zadarius Smith last year. And in the beginning of the offseason of 2021, after the Bucks eliminated the Packers, fun times, Zadarius Smith made it pretty clear that he wanted to be a Packer for life through his posts, including Twitter tweets and Instagram posts. And so still, the Packers in cap hell did not extend him. Instead, they restructured his contract. And at that point, I think he was pretty hurt. Then he had a back injury for most of the 2021 season, and Zadarius Smith was away from the facility for a very, very long time. There was little communication between him and the Packers, and it didn't go too well. He came back for the Packers in the one playoff game that uh, they lost to the 49ers, and then he was cut soon after the offseason started. So, Then, after a weird signing with the Ravens that did not end up being completed, he signed with the Vikings, where he knows much of the defensive staff from ex-Packers defensive coordinators to ex-Packers linebackers from Mike Pettin to Mike Smith. So, hopefully he doesn't end up hurting the Packers too badly, because if he does and the Packers lose, I will not be pleased. He has come out lately saying a bunch of things. He was like, I was treated terribly in that building, it was it's so shocking after everything I did turning around the culture and yeah he did he did he really changed the culture in that building after a tough 2018 season he came in in 2019 and did change the culture but Matt LaFleur said it best he said he had a different view of how things went down with Zedarius maybe it wasn't exactly Zedarius that was being the person treated badly from their point of view so that's sort of where that goes ultimately it all means that I really want the Packers to beat the Vikings, even more so than I would normally. But then we move on to the third and final storyline, and that is injuries. Okay, on Monday, 
Alan Lazard was held out of practice again, and Elton Jenkins, Lafleur said, would not participate in team drills. Bakhtiari, however, reportedly would, and Lafleur remained hopeful that Christian Watson would play week one, saying they're trying to acclimate him as quickly as possible. Now, that was Monday. Today is Wednesday, and the injury report, the first injury report came out today, and it looked like the Packers were... I would say in midseason form, but let's be honest, if the injury report looks like this at midseason, I'll feel very happy. So let's say week four form. The injury report today had Savage, Tunyon, Elton, and Bakhtiari all as limited participants in today's practice, and Lazard did not practice. So that is not great news. The official injuries of important people, Darnell Savage dealing with a hamstring injury, Tunyon and Bakhtiari both dealing with knee injuries, obviously the ACL. Lazard is dealing with an ankle injury, so that's interesting. And Elton Jenkins is dealing with both knee and pectoral injuries. That's not great. So the only good news to come out of that injury report was that Watson was a full participant in practice. But other than that, it's not great at this point. I don't think Elton's going to play week one. I've been on the Bakhtiari's not going to play until week six train. Let's be honest, that might not be true, but I'm sticking with it because I don't want to be disappointed. But I really, really, really don't think he's going to play week one. They're both limited participants. It just doesn't look great. So prepare yourself for nine minute left tackle, which I don't have a big issue with. But like, please, Goody, LaFleur, like someone step up and stick Zach Tom at right tackle or right guard because... I can't deal with Newman at the right tackle. That would kill me. Kill me. So with that, we're going to move into an overview. And here's the deal. The Packers defense currently does and is going to have high expectations. And hopefully it can deliver. They're going against a Minnesota offense that I do expect to have some growing pains. They obviously have a new head coach. But they also have a lot of talent at the running back wide receiver and arguably quarterback positions. Kirk Cousins, he's not as bad as people say he is. He's not great. Maybe he's not talent, but he's not a bad quarterback. And I think that the Vikings offense can really evolve into something under Kevin O'Connell this year. Hopefully that doesn't happen in week one, but they they might show some things in week one, especially because no one really knows what the Vikings are going to roll out with. And then now... We move to the offense, and I also expect the Packers offense to have some growing veins. They're going against a very, very legitimate defensive front in the Minnesota Vikings, specifically with Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter lined up on both sides. That is not, not so fun. The Vikings secondary, that is not as scary, right? They should make passing the ball a little bit more enticing to a quarterback that already we know likes passing the football. And so, as long as the Packers' offensive line, the contents of which we still do not know, by the way, can give Rodgers some time, I think we have a chance. But let's move more specifically into the offense and what they need to do in this game. Number one is start fast. And the advantage of week one is that the other team really does not know what to expect. I think Lafleur and Rodgers can use that to their advantage. And hopefully they can come up with a series of plays, some sort of opening drive script that they like, and that will hopefully work well. You saw it in 2020. Yeah, their offense started slow, but they really got into a groove. The offense came out with 
all cylinders firing. So we'll see if they can do a similar thing this year. Obviously, last year, they did not do a similar thing as that Saints game was a nightmare. But the Packers, they were really good in 2020 on scoring first drive touchdowns. There were only a couple games where they didn't come out of the gate hot and score first drive touchdowns so or score first drive points i believe it was so we'll see if they can get back to that after being not so great in that area in 2021 i believe it took until the i believe it was the detroit lions game in week 17 where they scored their first touchdown on the opening drive so not 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 so great we'll see we'll see if they can succeed in that area in 2022 but Starting fast for me, though it would be great to score an opening drive touchdown, is not just about scoring an opening drive touchdown. Obviously, that isn't anything. The Packers lost the game against the San Francisco 49ers in the playoffs after coming out looking boiling hot on that opening drive touchdown. So, what is starting fast then? Well, it's whether or not they score on their first few drives, in the first half, in the first quarter. And, you know, the defense... The Vikings, they aren't going to know exactly what's coming at them. They, they'll they have an idea. They have Kevin O'Connell as their head coach. He's coming from a LaFleur-esque structure. They also can study tape of what LaFleur's run in the past. But it's week one. The Packers hopefully have some plays that they haven't seen. So I'd like to see the Packers use those plays throughout the first quarter. That will set them up for not only success later on in the game, but it will set the defense up for instant success because you're not forcing the defense out on the field after a bunch of three and outs. So that's the first key for me, starting fast. Then my second key, run the goddamn football. And I'm sticking with my no balk TR until week six rule so as not to disappoint myself. And again, I have low expectations for Elton Jenkins starting. So I do not expect the Packers' number one O-line at this point, which is without a Bakhtiari or Elton Jenkins, to be able to hold up in pass protection if the Vikings' defense can just pin their ear back. So the Packers need to run the ball. What does running the ball do? First of all, you let your offensive linemen fire off the ball, and that gets them sort of into the rhythm of the game. At that point, they're not being forced to just step back, retreat every every play. It's okay, step back, retreat, give up ground, just don't give up too much. No, instead you're 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 firing off the ball. You're coming at the defense and that really gets guys like Hansen and Newman that dare I say it aren't good gets them in a groove. So, we'll see if the Packers can do that again if they can run the ball that makes sure the Vikings can't just say, oh, we know you're going to pass, so we can just let Zadarius and Hunter eat. Instead, the Packers, they can, first of all, get the run game moving, which obviously is great for the offense, but you can run play action off of that. You can get the quick passing game going off of that, and that'll keep Minnesota guessing, and it, it probably will slow down at some point. They'll probably make some adjustments, but you got to adjust back. But for now, run the ball, force it down their throats, and until they prove that they can stop it, just keep doing it. And one more thing, don't get away from the run too fast, okay? The Packers have shown in the past that they're fine with abandoning the run. Just stick with it because realistically, if you're forcing, I'm going to assume Newman's going to be at right tackle because it doesn't seem like Zach Tom's getting starting reps. Yeah, you're going to have a very tough time if you have Smith on Newman or Daniil Hunter on Newman. It'll basically be them taking turns. They'll, They'll probably be pulling straws on the sideline to see who gets to go at Newman first. So... Matt LaFleur, please run the football. 
Then, the defense. What do they need to do? Well, number one, they got to get pressure up front. And Vikings fans are very, very high on their tackles. But it's hard for anyone to be high on the Vikings' interior offensive line. So, you would think that getting pressure inside would be relatively easy. If you rotate Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Jerron Reed, and TJ Slayton on the interior, then you can just let those guys get after it. You can let the big dogs eat. And Kenny, he has owned the Vikings center, Garrett Bradbury. So I trust the Packers to be able to get pressure inside. Not only does the mismatch with the Packers defensive line, specifically interior defensive line against the Vikings interior offensive line, do good things in the passing game, but it probably means that you can stop the run. So you stop the run. You hopefully are able to halt the Vikings progress there. And then you can get in Kirk's face. That means that he can't just survey the defense for as long as he wants and then finally make a play. Instead, he needs to know where he's going to go with the football. He's got to make that read and he's got to make that throw. And getting pressure on him is a way to make sure he does that. If he beats you that way, it sucks. But at least you went down fighting. And that's just the interior. If you get Rashawn and Preston devastating Derrissaw and Brian O'Neill, which, by the way, I think is totally possible, that would be even more devastating for Kirk Cousins because then you add in the risk of sacks, a bigger risk of sacks, let's say. You add in the risk of fumbles. I would love to see Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith get after it. So if the Vikings get pressured all across the board from the Packers, that takes a lot of pressure away from the secondary, and it puts a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins. So, Packers, get pressure. And then my second key, choose coverages wisely. And this is because the Vikings have a good wide receiver court. There is no question. Jefferson is obviously the headline as an all-pro top three receiver in the league. But Thielen certainly helps out. So what do you do to combat this? Do you put Jair on Jefferson and just kind of take him out of the game, say Jair's got him? That is one option. But here's another thing. This was coined by Bill Belichick with Darrell Rivas. It was suggested by Aaron Nagler on the Beer and Ball podcast. One of the suggestions given there and one of the places where this has been suggested. It's surely been suggested in a bunch of other places. But it was a really good idea. And it's that you put Jair Alexander on Adam Thielen and you totally wipe him out. That takes Thielen basically out of the game because you say Jair's got Thielen. He's going to shadow him the whole game. You don't have to worry about him. Then what do you do? You just roll coverage over to Justin Jefferson, whatever that means, right? You put Stokes on Jefferson at times. You put Douglas on him at other times. And each time, you bring a safety over and you double him like that. You saw it with Devontae against the Ravens last year. The Ravens put a corner on Devontae, pressed him at the line, and then put a safety about 10 yards back. You essentially had two corners playing Devontae Adams. Do that with Justin Jefferson because he cannot beat you. And that is how you ensure that you slow down the elite wide receiver Devontae Adams was slowed down last year against the Ravens, so it's it's impressive. Jefferson's no Devontae Adams. Maybe that strategy works. Again, the hope is that one of Stokes and Douglas won't get just absolutely toasted and that it's a Jefferson on a safety. Maybe it is, but I tend to doubt that's the case. I hope Stokes has made adjustments. I still wouldn't trust him one-on-one with Jefferson because you really can't trust anyone one-on-one with Jefferson, but... If you roll coverage to him, you put Jair on Thielen, hopefully that really takes away a lot of the wide receiver threats that the Vikings have. And again, this forces Kirk Cousins to go to other guys, some of whom will be covered by other good corners, Rasul Douglas or Eric Stokes, the guy who isn't covering Jefferson. 
And then Shamar Jean Charles, who really played well in the preseason, or Keyshawn Nixon, same thing. So that is one option. That is an option that I potentially like. If you put Jair on Jefferson the whole game, that's that's fine. I, I could see the logic there too. But in that case, you just can't justify rolling coverage over to Thielen. So you would put one guy on him, either Stokes or Rasul. Probably Rasul, considering he's been playing in the slot a bunch and Thielen is more of a slot guy. And then you stick Stokes on their outside guy. That That's another way to play it. So those are some surface-level things that the Packers could do to attempt to slow down the Vikings' offense. And if, if they do both of those things, kind of stating the obvious here, but I like the defensive chances. And then I think it comes down to the offense. Can they deliver with a shabby offensive line? We'll see. So with that, we jump right into the players to watch. Number one is Aaron Jones, right? I think Aaron Jones is going to have to have a huge year this year. I think he's going to have a huge year this year. That's why I named him my PMVP in the last episode. And that's also why I drafted him early on in my fantasy league. Come on, Aaron. Yeah, in this game, especially... I expect Jones to get the ball early on. Uh, that could be from under center runs. That could be from shotgun runs. And then from there, there's sort of two things that could happen. Number one is the Packers don't get the run game going, in which case they probably go to the passing game and they abandon the run game a bit too quickly because that's something that we have seen happen. So if they do that, then I expect Jones, especially with Lazard not practicing, to get a bunch of targets. And hopefully they then attempt to set up screen passes for Jones, or they put him on routes from swing outs in the backfield to angle routes to wheel routes, put Jones, get the ball in his hands. Maybe, and this is option two, they do get the run game going, in which case, of course, Jones is going to get the football. He's your number one running back, and if Jones is moving well, whether in the run game or pass game or both, the Packers offense will be moving well. So that's why you got to watch Aaron Jones. And then my second guy to watch is Rashawn Gary. Yeah, I mentioned how high the Vikings are on Christian Derrissaw. But here's where he gets tested, right? Here is your real football test. Rashawn Gary has not only been on fire throughout training camp, but he was on fire for most of last year, okay? And so I want to watch Rashawn Gary welcome Christian Derrissaw to real football, right? If Rashawn Gary goes off, the Packers defense will probably play well too. And even if he doesn't register sacks, him getting pressure on Kirk Cousins will probably force Cousins to make a bad decision here or there, and that'll take, of course, some pressure off the secondary, but if they get a pick, that'll take some pressure off the offense. So, you know, I would have put someone like Kenny Clark on here because he's going up against a weak Vikings interior, but let's be honest, Rashawn Gary is one of the most fun players to watch on this Packers defense, so prepare to watch Gary absolutely ball out. Prepare to watch Jones do the same. And that is why I'm giving the Packers a win here. The win is going to be 24 to 17. Yeah, I think the Packers win by a touchdown. I have faith in the Packers figuring something out on offense. I, I mean, I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game because they lost Devontae Adams. They're going to need to figure out their way around that training camp. Did not sound like their offense was exactly groove in every game. But I think that they managed to put up 24 and they managed to edge out the Vikings in what should be a very tough divisional game. I think the Packers' defense comes to play. You know, this one could go either way. It is never easy, as the title says, but it is always exciting. So let's see. But as always, thank you very much for listening to Dedicated Packers. The next time you will hear from me, the Packers will have played 
their week one game against the Minnesota Vikings. But that is all I have for you today. As always, thank you. Thank you for listening to Dedicated Packers. And until next time. Go Pack, go. Go.